Thank you for listening to the sermon audio podcast from Greenwood Baptist Church in Weatherford, Texas. Now here's a message from one of our pastors. Good morning. Hey, glad to see you all this morning. Uh, if you're joining us online, we're, we're thankful you're here too. Uh, we are in the middle of a, of a building campaign. Uh, we're building some stuff here at the church. You can't really see it yet because uh, the, the main part of the process we're in right now is, uh, is in talking with an architect. And so Brandon, who was on stage a minute ago, uh, John and Sonny are the main ones who deal with that. Uh, not me, because I know a lot about the Old Testament. And so if you're asking me about building, all I know about is like the temple and stuff. And so you don't want me involved in that. Um, so if you have any questions, ask them about it. Uh, we are making some progress in terms of drawings and stuff. And just so you know, that'll be right out behind us. Uh, right back there will be where the new worship center is. And so we have a couple of requests um, about that. And I want to start the next couple of minutes by saying, if you're here for like the first time or you're not really a part of our church, we're not asking you for money. I just want you to know that up front. Okay. But um, here's, there's some building pledge cards in the back. And on those pledge cards, what's important is if you open it up, the most important part is the top part, which is things you can pray about. And I mean that, like that's the most important part. We want to pray for God's will. We want to pray for this new building. And so we would love for you to take that and, and pray with God. Uh, with us about those things. Now, the, the bottom part of that has to do with a pledge and, and all of that stuff. And uh, we're hoping to get those back in. Our deadline is going to be December 31st. That's a Sunday. And uh, we have kind of extended that because some of you are probably like me and you forgot. I did. Uh, and so one day I was walking down the hall and I asked our financial administrator, I said, hey, what have you been up to today? She's like, I'll count stuff up for pledge cards. And I was like, I'll be right back. I had to go get one. And Rachel and I had talked. And so I filled it out put it on her desk on a Tuesday, you know, random, but was able to do that. So I just want to encourage you, uh, if you want to be a part of giving to the building program, to take that and, uh, and fill it out. I had a friend a few years ago when we were building the offices and the children's area and all that stuff. He's a, he was a full-time student and he said, I don't, I don't really know that I could do anything. I mean, I can give like 20 bucks. And I said, yeah, do that. Uh, that's being a part with what God has given you. So uh, the amount is not as important as trying to have some kind of part in it, whether that's through prayer or through giving uh, a little or a lot. Uh, that's between you and the Lord. And again, the only person that's going to see that is our financial administrator. Now that I've talked about that, let's get to the really fun stuff today. Um, today, I want to talk to you about what to do when you're feeling stuck. What to do when you're feeling stuck. How many of you have ever been stuck? Like you've been stuck somewhere before, okay? Yeah. So we can get stuck physically, but we can also get stuck in like other stuff too. Maybe you felt stuck uh, in maybe a relationship or something like that. Um, I remember though getting stuck physically one time way before I had kids. Uh, actually, Rachel and I had only been dating about four months at this time, maybe five months at this time. And so she was off somewhere. I was with three Aggies in the Grand Canyon. And um, I tell you that part because we, we took a hike down to the Colorado River, right? That runs through there. It's been a while, y'all. Okay, Colorado River. We, we go down to the Colorado River and we get probably, I don't know, like the length of this building from where we are to where the river is. And we wanted some really cold, nice, clean water because we've been drinking out of puddles and stuff, you know. Um, 
And so being with three Aggies, they just jumped off this waterfall that was like as high as that wall over there. They just jumped down it, get in the water, and go over to the river. And not being an Aggie, I was kind of like, I don't know if I want to do that or not. But peer pressure got me because I was 19, and I did it anyway. And so we get water, and we have a good time. And then we realize we are stuck because we came down something like as high as that wall, and we have no way to get back up it, right? And now I'm realizing, why did I follow these Aggies down this thing? But anyway, so what we ended up doing was, you know, the, the really comical routine where somebody stands on the other one, and you stand, and you climb up, and then we had somebody else do it. And then we start, so then we're left where I'm the last one up, except for the uh, second to last, and there's one guy still down there. And we're like, he can't jump high enough to catch someone's hand. What are we going to do? Again, three Aggies, they're like, hey, we'll lower you down, and he'll jump up and grab onto your foot. And I don't know why, but I said, okay. And so they lowered me down, you know, holding each guy laying down, holding onto my hand, and guy jumps up and grabs my foot and climbs me like a rope and gets up. And so sometimes you just need someone in your life who's willing to be silly to help you get unstuck. I just wanted to tell a different story for that. I told a boring story the first two, and I wanted to give you a more insightful story about me being stuck in the Grand Canyon. That's what it can look like when we're stuck physically. Sometimes we get stuck in other ways, too. Sometimes we get stuck in um, financial situations where maybe we feel like we're overwhelmed in debt. Sometimes we're stuck in a relationship, or maybe we're stuck in like a, a dead-end job where we feel like no matter what I do, I'm going to be doing the same thing for the next 20 years, and no one's going to care I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to be sitting right here doing the same thing. Whatever it may be, we've all felt stuck before. And so today we're going to look at the story of Bartimaeus in Mark chapter 10. And Bartimaeus is a guy who is stuck. And so maybe you'll see a little of yourself in Bartimaeus. So let's stand and we're going to read in Mark 10, starting in verse 46. It says this, Then they reached Jericho. And as his disciples left town, a large crowd followed him. A blind beggar named Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, was sitting beside the road. When Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Be quiet, many people yelled at him. But he only shouted louder, son of David, have mercy on me. And when Jesus heard him, he stopped and said, tell him to come here. So they called the blind man. Cheer up, they said. Come on, he's calling you. Bartimaeus threw aside his coat, jumped up, and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked. My rabbi, the blind man said, I want to see. And Jesus said to him, go, for your faith has healed you. Instantly the man could see, and he followed Jesus down the road. You can be seated. Instantly he was able to see, and he followed Jesus down the road. So this is a story about Bartimaeus and being stuck. And in the Bible, when you read these short stories in the gospel, these what we call a narrative, it's like, it's like any other story you would read. There are characters, there are plot elements, and all that sort of stuff. And so when you're reading the Bible, it helps to really pay attention to the specific small little things that the author uses in the story to communicate certain things. For example, at the beginning of this, in verse 46, it said, then in Jericho. Now, being someone who 
has the benefit today of, of seeing the Old Testament before the Gospels, we can remember that Jericho was the city where um, Joshua marched around the city seven days, and then the seventh day he marched seven times, and they shout and the walls fall down. And so God had done something amazing and miraculous there at Jericho. And so when we read Jericho here, I think that's the author giving us a clue. Expect something amazing to happen here. Now, this is a new city of Jericho. It's not the old one with the wall that fell down. Uh, that would have probably been in ruin at this time. But Jesus and his disciples are leaving Jericho, and there's a crowd following him because it's Jesus, right? I mean, he's an amazing teacher, and you want to hear what Jesus is going to say. And this blind beggar named Bartimaeus comes on the scene. And we're told Bartimaeus means son of Timaeus. Uh, the word Bartimaeus is like two Aramaic things stuck together. Bar meaning son and Timaeus meaning we don't know what. No, I'm just kidding. It means something like um, high honor or highly prized. And that's another clue I think the author is giving us here. Son of high honor or son who is highly prized. And he's a beggar. There were other people in the Bible who had names that meant a lot. And so that's why I'm saying names can mean a lot in the Bible. In Hosea, there's a couple of names that stand out. Uh, Hosea names children things like um, No Mercy. How'd you like that as a name? What's your name, No Mercy? Hmm. Sounds like a general or something, right? But, and then there's another person who's, whose name, another child whose name is Not My People. Now that's a name for you. What's that kid's name over there? No, not my people. You know, it's, it's literally a sign act that God uses through the prophet Hosea of naming these kids because there's something amazing that he did in the life of the people of Israel to bring them into a, a new place. And so names signify things in the Bible. Um, not always, but oftentimes they signify things. And they help us to see uh, some clues in very tight spaces. So this can be a really short story with a lot of meaning because you notice <clears throat> the son of high honor, the son who is highly prized, who we expect great things of, is actually a beggar. Do you see what I'm saying? There's a juxtaposition there of what God has, has done in this person's life. He started out and was named with certain intentions. And based on uh, the way verse 52 is translated in the ESV and the NESV and some other ones, uh, it may mean that he had been able to see, lost his sight, and is now blind. Okay? And so this guy, son of high honor, son of uh, who is highly prized, is now stuck, and he's lost his way, and he's forced to, to reside as a beggar. Uh, and so now he's not seen as highly prized. He's seen as maybe useless, maybe worthless. He's just a guy sitting over there making noise, and if you give him some money, he'll stop. That's how he's seen. You know he felt stuck because as a human being, he had other plans for his life. This is not how he envisioned it going. And you might feel stuck too. Maybe you're a point in your life where this is not how you thought it would go. Maybe it was a relationship issue. Maybe it was a bad choice that you made at some point. 
has derailed what you thought was going on, and you feel stuck. You feel like this is not where I wanted to be. This is not what I had planned. Maybe it's an illness that you've been struggling with for a really long time, and you just want it to stop. When you feel stuck with no way out, doesn't scare God, doesn't, doesn't mean that you're useless or worthless, didn't mean that for Bartimaeus, meant that there's an opportunity for God to do something in his life. And so how do we get unstuck? How do we get out of being stuck? Well, the first thing that we do is, like Bartimaeus, we don't let others keep us from pursuing God. Don't let anyone keep you from pursuing God. The action that Bartimaeus takes here, it first appears in the way that he's yelling. I mean, literally yelling. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He's yelling this as loud as he can. It's not like um, you know, a child who doesn't really want to get that attention. You're like, hey, would you go ask that person for them to buy some candy bars for the school? You know? and they go up and they're like, oh, excuse me. Can you? Oh, they didn't want to. I don't know. It's not like that, right? This is a guy completely yelling, making a scene. Okay, he is screaming, yelling, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And we get another clue here in a small phrase, Jesus, son of David. Because at the beginning of the story, in verse, actually the beginning of the verse in 47, Jesus of Nazareth was nearby. So we're told that's who he was, that's how he was known. But that's not what Bartimaeus calls him. Bartimaeus calls him Jesus, son of David. Jesus, son of David is a, is a different expectation with Jesus than just Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus of Nazareth is just what you call it because that's where he's from. He's Jesus. He's from Nazareth. Jesus, son of David, carried a whole different weight to it. It's based on a promise that God made to the person, King David, in 2 Samuel chapter 7. And in 2 Samuel 7, uh, David has uh, prayed to God. God has told David he's going to build a house for David, a kingdom for David, and that a descendant of his, a son of David, will be on that throne forever, will reign forever, and that that's his, his kingdom, we find out later in the prophets, his kingdom will have no end. So there's an expectation that is different by calling him a son of David versus calling him Jesus of Nazareth. He's claiming by saying that, that he thinks Jesus is the Messiah. He lives in a place where his people are not in charge. His, ethnically, the Jewish people are not in charge. They are under Roman rule. Um, a lot of things going on. And yet, there's a tension that God has promised that his son will reign, his kingdom will have no end. And then this guy says, Jesus, son of David. He's proclaiming he thinks Jesus is that one. And that carries a lot of weight with it. And it also tells us that he believed Jesus was the answer to his problem. He believed Jesus is the one who could change his life. We can tell that by the way that he uses that messianic title of Jesus, son of David. And so we need to recognize who Jesus is. We need to pursue God. He gets up and he screams out loudly. We need to not be afraid of loudly going after God or going after God with everything that we have. Um, much the way that I remember something happening uh, several years ago. Uh, my in-laws 
uh, took us to Disney, and by us, I mean they took my kids, and I was along, right? Uh, they took us to Disney. So we went to Disney, and we're there, and um, my sweet girls, who were in elementary school at the time, now teenagers, but they were in elementary school, and they were some of those kids that had the quiet voice that I was talking about earlier. You know, they were not going to interrupt anybody. They were going to be in line and all that. Well, then you get to Disney, and they have Disney princesses walking around in costume. These are women who are trained to act like the Disney princesses, and you can go up and talk to them. And so my girls, man, they took off. They, were, they wanted to see those princesses. They wanted to get every one of them's name in a book written in there, and a couple of times that meant standing in a really long line, okay? Like being willing to stand in line to meet someone, just like if you stood in line for Space Mountain or a roller coaster or something, I was kind of like, really? This is, okay, that, all right. And they wanted to meet that person so much because that, that Disney princess to an elementary school girl had a lot of value. It was someone who was, was just amazing. They, were, they wanted to meet this person. This guy, Bartimaeus, had expectations and, and a certain value of Jesus that he had to meet him. He wanted to meet him and there was nothing anybody could do to stop him. Nothing anybody could do to stop them, except these people tried to stop him. They literally are telling him, hey, be quiet. Stop, man. We, we've heard it. Just stop. We're trying to listen to Jesus here. You're, you're being annoying. All right, just stop. Don't let anybody keep you from Jesus. In the words of that great philosopher, haters going to hate, right? So sometimes people will try to do that, and they'll tell you things like, you're going to church again? Weren't you just there on Sunday? Like last Sunday? So, like, how many times are you going to go? You, you're going to church again? You're, you're going to this thing called a Bible study? Where you, like, read the Bible for an hour? Okay. Uh, or, dude, really, I know you're a Christian, but, like, worship music in your truck? Come on. Or they may say something like, uh, <laughs> wait a second. You give money to a church, and you don't have to. What? Like, you pay taxes, and you give... So, like, dude, how do you eat? You know? And they'll, they'll say things like that. Like, really? You, you follow Jesus like that? You're, you're one of those people who takes it that seriously? You've gone a little overboard. And they might, like, not... They might be like, oh, I I'm not really going to ask you to pray at the meal when the family gets together, because you take too long. Right? Like, man, you get really into it, and let's just chill a little bit. We just want to have a nice, relaxed gathering. We don't, we don't really want it that intense over there, okay? So don't let others keep you from pursuing God. And the reason I say that is in Jeremiah 29, 13, we read this. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. I will be found by you, declares the Lord in the next verse. And so... Other translations say something like, if you seek me with all your heart, you'll find me. And so when we pursue God intensely like that, it doesn't bother God. It doesn't, doesn't bother Jesus in this story. And it doesn't bother God in the life that we live day in and day out. When we pursue God intensely, it shows how much we value the Lord. Just like what Bartimaeus was doing here. That he put all of his trust in God. He, he thought God was the one. Jesus is the one who can change his life. And we 
need to get to that spot too where we don't let others keep us from pursuing God, where we want God more than we want um, whatever your favorite food is. We want God more than we want that new episode of uh, your favorite show to drop on Amazon or whatever it is, right? We want God more than we want that new vehicle. When we're at that place, we know we are pursuing God the way that Bartimaeus was doing. And I want to say as an aside, it's okay to want a new vehicle. I mean, you need one sometimes. But not to put it before God. Now, so we, when we feel stuck, we don't let others keep us from pursuing God. And we expect to never return to our own old life. We expect to never return to our old life. See, we all need God, but oftentimes we tend to think that, uh, you know, we can kind of handle things. We've got a lot going on. I'm a little busy here. Uh, I'll get to that in a little while. You know, uh, my kids are little. I don't really sleep a whole lot, so maybe I'll, like, follow God when they're a little older. Ah, my kids are a little older. You know, there's just a lot going on. I've got to go to, like, 17 different practices this week, and, uh, you know, it'll be a little easier when they're, when they're older. And then they get a little older, and, ah, man, I just got a lot going on. I got to pay a lot of bills. And, and the, the kids are coming in for the holidays, so we're busy. We're not going to be able to follow the Lord. And so we can always find an excuse until that crisis hits. When you're in a crisis like Bartimaeus, where you have to depend on other people for everything, where you actually are suffering in some way, and you're in a crisis, it helps us realize how much we need God. Bartimaeus was aware of his need, and it caused him to act in certain ways that showed he never expected to return to his old life. Never expected to return. And in his faith, it actually stops the God of the entire universe. In verse 49, when Jesus heard him, he stopped and said, tell him to come here. This is Jesus, who in uh, the Gospel of John, uh, we hear was with God in the beginning. This is the Word of God, who created everything, and yet... Not only that, let's, let's go a little further. Upholds everything. He is the one who literally hears, uh, God hears everything that we're praying, whenever we're praying. This is a God who is on that scale, and yet, somehow, as Jesus, in flesh here, one guy yelling and screaming, he stops, breaks what he's doing, and says, you, come here. And he focuses on him. He takes a break and pursues that one guy. He focuses on you. So when you pursue God intently, God stops a sincere heart uh, pursuing God intently, stops God and allows us to to get to, to talk to him. And so when we pray sincerely, we can expect God to pay attention to us as well. And it changed Bartimaeus to where he never expected to return to his old life. We see that in the way that his response is to throw his cloak aside jump up and go to Jesus. This is a blind guy. A blind man jumps up and goes to Jesus. This was awkward. It was not a beautiful thing. Um, He's having to have people kind of, nope, not over here, over there, you know, kind of help him along the way to Jesus. And so Bartimaeus, it's an awkward time, and when he throws that cloak He's doing something incredibly unique because as a blind man at this time who's begging, he's, he's probably got this garment with a pocket in it that he uses as like his little piggy bank, right? So anything that people give him, he puts in there. And that's the thing. 
he throws aside everything that he's relying on to take care of his needs, he throws that aside. It's a big deal. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen um, a homeless person uh, with, with their possessions and, and the way that they want to really hold on to those. I got to experience that firsthand a couple weeks ago. I was eating some food at a Taco Bell. Don't judge me. I was, I was eating food in the parking lot at a Taco Bell on the way from one place to another, and uh, it was at James and I-20. And so there's a big overpass right there and a lot of people under the bridge. And this guy, I'm, as I'm eating, I'm watching him. He's packing all his stuff up. And he puts it all in the shopping cart. And he comes over to Taco Bell, gets it right by the window at the front door. And he goes in and he orders and he pays. And then he comes right back out and he's standing by his cart looking inside. And then he's, he's kind of waving. And so they bring his food out there to him. He takes it with his shopping cart, goes back under the bridge, unpacks it, and sits down and eats his food. Surprise me. But it's because he, he valued his stuff that much. And this is what Bartimaeus takes, and he just chunks it, right? Because he's expecting to never come back to that sort of life. Bartimaeus has made a decision that Jesus matters more than anything else. Jesus is where his security now is, not in his stuff, not in uh, a leader, not in, in something else, but Jesus is what matters. Another example of uh, having that kind of commitment can be seen in Hernan Cortez. Uh, he arrived in the New World with 600 people around um, 1519. 600 explo- uh, explorers, soldiers. They get here, and there's a lot of fighting going on. They, they don't really want, they want to go home. Uh, they're not happy with how things have been going. And he gave a really controversial order. He says, burn the ships. So they burn them. And they're stuck here. And now they realize they have to be together. They have to accomplish their mission. And in two years, they're able to conquer uh, the people that were there. 600 guys did that. Conquered the Aztecs in 1519s, around in there. And so that burn the ships moment has to happen in our life. We need to get to a spot where we can look at the things around us and think, I'm going to burn the ships on this one. That's how we know we're serious about following the Lord. When we get to a point where we are going to let go of that thing that, that we feel like we want more than anything else, that maybe, maybe it's something in our bank account, and we just go, okay, God, I trust you with my money. Maybe it's uh, a relationship where you go, ah, okay, Lord, I'm finally going to trust you, and I'm going to do this. I'm not going to waver from it. I'm going to follow you in this instance. So we all have something in our life, probably, where we need to burn the ships. We need to, to make a step of faith. And that's what Bartimaeus did here, and that's what you and I can do. So expect to never return to our old life. Many of us are stuck because we're holding on to that thing that God wants us to, to let go of and to pursue him on. Um, we get stuck in those things. Uh, maybe it's a friendship or thought pattern, whatever it is. Maybe today is the day you can finally choose to leave it behind and follow Jesus. And, and we're going to give you a, a time to do that at the end. So don't let other people turn you away from pursuing Jesus. Don't let other people keep you from pursuing Jesus. 
Expect to never return to your old life. And then the last thing is you must come to a place where you can express your needs to God. You must come to a place where you can express your needs to God. And I don't mean this like name it and claim it. Oh God, I, I want a new Ferrari. There it is. I'm not, I'm not saying that. Okay? What I'm saying is that we need to be willing to admit to something. We need to be willing to, um, to say what it is that we really need. We need to be, really, be willing to be honest with God. That's what I'm talking about here. In the text, Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? Blind man? Bartimaeus? He could have said, yeah, it'd be really great if we had a Jewish guy in charge of this area. Will you be a Messiah and, then, and get us out from under Rome? He could have said that. He could have said, mm, I need a million shekels. I mean, I don't, I don't know. Actually, I don't know how much money that would be, but whatever. Like, he could have said one of those things, but that's not what he says. He says, I want to regain my sight. I want, I want to see. I want sight. That's the thing, Lord. That's what it is. That's what makes me feel stuck. And he's not willing. I mean, he's not afraid of, of saying that out loud, of admitting it to the Lord. He's not afraid to take that to the Lord. He came to a place where he can express his needs to the Lord. When we're willing to do that and admit to things like that, it changes our attitudes in our situation sometimes. Think of it this way. A lot of you in this room, there was a time when you probably got together with that person you're sitting next to and maybe you're holding hands or whatever and you were looking at each other and you said, okay, are you my girlfriend? Are you my boyfriend? Right? And it was, a, it was a big deal. And there's another time when somebody heart beating real fast says, I love you, hoping that the other one will say it back, right? And then there's another big day when you're standing in front of some other people and you say, I do. I want to, I, I will marry you. I, I do. I take those vows. And so by doing that, by saying those things, you're acknowledging what's going on. You're being honest. You're saying, I take this seriously. I want this to happen. I want to do this. We, that's how we express those things. We confess it before other people. In other words, Bartimaeus wasn't afraid of admitting this publicly. He, he, he admitted publicly that he wanted and thought that Jesus could change his situation. One of the ways he does that is in this, this use of the term rabboni or, or my rabbi. Uh, it could mean uh, my teacher, but it also carries with it a, uh, an honorific, a sense of, of, of really wanting to follow a person, th considering them authoritative. And so he's using that title of Jesus, and he's asking him for the ability to see, and Jesus could have left him right there, but he didn't. He says, go, for your faith has healed you. And we learn something else about Bartimaeus. Instantly, the man could see and he chose to follow Jesus down the road, down the way. Could be, it's not guaranteed, but it could be that that's a, a phrase that's used there to show that he, from that day forward, followed the Lord. That he, he took Jesus' teachings and obeyed them and was obedient to them. That's, that's a lot of times how scripture talks about it, following him on, on the path or the way, uh, that kind of thing. So it may be here that that's a clue that Bartimaeus had a changed life. Not only could he see now, but his changed priorities resulted in him following Jesus. And so that is what can happen when we come to a place where we can express our needs before God. Saying that out loud is important to the Lord. 
Romans 10, 9, and 10 makes us aware of this um, because it says it this way. Um, If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you're made right with God. And it's by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. Uh, In other places, God tells us uh, through his word that if we acknowledge him before men, he will acknowledge us before the Father. So that public profession of faith in Jesus means something. We've got to make it public. So when we come to a place where we can express our needs, this is where we start to start to take a risk, start to step out in faith, and start to do things like ask other people to pray for a situation in our life. Maybe even share with some other people, hey, I'm stuck right here, and I, I, I want to see some freedom in this. Will you pray for me? Will you share some scripture with me that might help me here? So when we start doing that, we're acknowledging Jesus before others. Jesus had Bartimaeus cross this line of faith when he said, uh, Rabboni, teacher, I want to see. And he publicly asked God to change something. Um, he had faith that Jesus would do that. And Hebrews 11 verse 6 tells us a little bit more about that, about what faith is. Verse 6 says, And it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And faith is, yes, admitting that we know who Jesus is, it's making him public, but it's also proven out in the way that we express to God, I need you to come through in this situation in my life. The Psalms show us a picture of people crying out to God, wanting God to act in their situation, and expecting faithfully that God will change that situation. Unfortunately, we live in this world where we're bound by time, and God doesn't always change things in the here and now. Sometimes, God, change, God chooses to change things for us in heaven. So we might get to deal with some hardships here on earth that God will change in heaven. We might deal with a little bit of uncomfortableness. We might feel stuck for a little while, but God will ultimately get us through it. I want to, show, I want to share with you a story um, from my life. So several years ago, uh, I felt pretty stuck. Um, I'd been working here just a little while, and um, I, I've always dealt with some anxiety in my life, like diagnosed with anxiety issues. And so um, still don't have any idea what exactly caused this particular instance, but there was a, a day when I remember vividly not feeling good at all. Like I knew something was going on and feeling anxious. And so I went to the doctor and I, I was waiting in the doctor's office. You know, they're like, hey, it'll be like five minutes and he'll see you. And I have a full-blown panic attack. I've had a few of these in my life, but full-blown panic attack. When you have one of these, it makes you act irrationally. So I did the only irrational thing to do. I left the doctor's office where they told me five minutes, went across the street to the hospital where it would take like three hours, right? So I do that. I make that choice. 
And having this panic attack is making me act very emotional. I'm not an emotional person, but I, I just was, because I'm, I'm in the midst of this. And so I'm like crying because some little girl over here doesn't feel good, and I wanted her to get to go see the doctor or something, you know. And I can imagine Brian and my wife are probably sitting there like, okay, man. <laughs> like, you know, like it probably looked really weird from the outside. And uh, thankfully, uh, I was able to go home later that day and, and feel a little better, but it, it took a while to, to kind of get through that process. And I can remember sitting, laying down with my back on the cold floor in the, in the uh, bathroom tile and, and thinking, God, I, I need help. I've struggled with this for a long time. And I feel stuck here. I don't know what to do. I need you to change something in my life. And at that point, God started to uh, give me some scriptures. Um, the Bible says for us to hide our words, hide his word in our heart. And so I'd, I'd done that and I knew some, some verses that God started to bring to my mind to recall in that moment and give me peace. And I started, I, I was very blessed that God got me through that time. And it's been several years now. I mean, like more than five since that happened. I don't, I don't know how long. And, uh, this May, I got to, to learn through this process of starting a, a new ministry here that will launch in January. It's called Regeneration Ministry. That what I did was very much in line with what, what we need to do. There's, there's some steps that we can do to, to see God set us free in areas of our life. There's nothing magical about steps. It's what Jesus does in our life. But Jesus was able to, to get me to not focus on my surroundings, but to focus on the Lord. To not listen to the lies in my head but to listen to what Scripture says about me. To not listen to uh, all the fears that I had in my mind in that moment, but instead to depend on Him. And walking through some of those steps in regeneration ministry, I'm reminded of, of what God has done in my life to set me free from that time of anxiety and give me freedom. Now, I'm not 100% like without anxiety ever. I mean, I got nervous before the first service, just like anybody would. But, uh, but I have a strategy. I, I am dependent on Christ in those moments. And, and Jesus can actually give you freedom in those areas that you're stuck in. And if you're stuck in an area and you're like, man, I don't know, this one's really big. This, are you sure? Because, I mean, Justin, I get, that was like, you had some thoughts and stuff, but I got a real problem. I want to challenge you to show up January 8th in the Ignite building over there, 6.30 p.m., and we're going to talk about some of that stuff. And we're going to talk about how Jesus really can set you free. And, and more than that, we're going to walk alongside you through um, a scriptural process of, of seeing God's forgiveness, of changing our wants and our desires and, and being set free and, and getting unstuck. So I hope you'll do that on January 8th. If you want to talk more about that, I'll be over here after the service. The other thing is, maybe you're here today and you are thinking, I haven't actually ever really done what Bartimaeus did. I haven't actually ever put my faith 100% in Jesus. I haven't actually decided to publicly follow Jesus before. I mean, I've thought about it. I've maybe, you know, read the Bible a little here and there, but man, I, I need to do that. I need to really follow Jesus. So I want to give you the opportunity to do that today. And so it's, it's pretty simple to to be able to follow Jesus. It's, it's not easy, but it's simple. Uh, we like to talk about the ABCs. Uh, a, admit. 
Admit to God that you are a sinner. Romans 3.23 tells us we've all sinned, fallen short of the glory of God. That's you, and that's me. We've sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And then B, believe. What do we believe? Just anything? No. We believe that God, uh, that Jesus is God's son. That means that he was born of a virgin, like scripture says. It means that he lived a sinless life, that he died a death on the cross to pay the penalty for your sins and mine, and that he rose again on the third day and can set us free, give us eternal life. So we believe that Jesus is God's son, and then we confess him before others. Romans 10, 9, and 10, as we talked about, if we confess him before others, we'll be saved. So I want you to have a moment to do that. If you're here today and you've never done that the way that Bartimaeus did, you've never admit, believed, and confessed, I want to give you a chance to do that. So if you bow your head, close your eyes, I'm going to ask everybody in here to bow your head and close your eyes. And I want to ask you, if you're willing, if you want to take that step of faith, if you want to be like Bartimaeus, proclaim that Jesus is Lord in your life, uh, pray this with me right here in this room or at home, wherever you are. You just say, God, I know I'm a sinner. I, I know that I've messed up. And I trust Jesus today as my Savior, as my Lord, to save me from sin and to free me from all of those things in the past. And I trust today that I now have eternal life. Amen. So everybody keep your head bowed and your eyes closed. And if you made that decision today and you prayed that prayer, I just want to be able to pray for you. Um, I'm not going to ask you for money. So if you would, just look up at me so I can pray for you. Just kind of give me a head nod. Let me know that was you. You prayed that. Okay, what about on this other side over here? Okay. Okay. Now, if you prayed that prayer, I'm going to give you some instructions here in just a minute. Uh, for the rest of you in this room, odds are you either have been or you are stuck right now. And so if you're stuck and you feel like, man, I need Jesus to change something in my life, would you raise your hand so I can pray for you? Yeah. Excellent. Let's pray for that. God, I want to ask you to change people's lives. Lord, for these who are willing, I pray that they would make it uh, public to somebody else, that they would share what's going on in their life. I pray for you to begin working in them, to change them from the inside out, and to uh, regenerate their hearts, Lord. We ask that you would do that in Jesus' name. So now I'm going to ask you to look up at me. You guys can go ahead and open your eyes. We have this thing in front of you called the connection card. It's either in your bulletin or in the, the back of the bench in front of you. Uh, you can do the same thing through that code on the screen. If you'll let us know that you made some kind of decision today, uh, there, John will be here at the front. I'll be over here after. You can talk to one of us. But we want to encourage you to share that decision that you made with somebody else. If you're a uh, a kid, and you came with a parent. We want to encourage you to share that with your parents. If you came with a friend, tell your friend. 
Uh, if you are here today and you're just like, man, I don't really have anybody to share that with, then please, by all means, tell me or John about it. We'd love to pray with you throughout the week. Um, now I'm going to ask that we bow our heads and we pray we'll, and we'll be closed. We'll have some announcements. So let's pray. God, thank you for the story of Bartimaeus. Thank you for the promise that when we sincerely seek you, that we will find you. And God, we thank you for this example in the story of Bartimaeus. We see that you have, have and will change lives. So God, we ask that you would do that in our midst this week. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Sermon Audio Podcast from Greenwood Baptist Church in Weatherford, Texas. You can find links to topics and scriptures discussed in this episode by looking at the show notes. You can find more information online at greenwood.church. If you have any questions or comments, please send an email to info at greenwoodbc.com.